Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragist.com and Divizio.com. How are you today, Jack? I am great. How are you? Awesome. Why are you hard to hear? I don't know. Why am I hard to hear? Really bad. I don't know. Get closer to your microphone. Doreen, can you hear him? I can barely hear him as well. Okay, good. I didn't think it was just me. I can hear you loud and clear, Doreen. Great. But as we get things situated, tech is always an issue. Um, We have a great guest lined up for all of you today, so bear with us so that you can hear Jack as well as our guest, Doreen. Making any progress, Jack? That's a lot better. Thank you. Okay. I'll do it the hard way. The hard way works. (laughs) Well, go ahead and tell our our listeners about our fantastic guest today. Yes, we have Doreen Pearson, who packs a punch, living in an industry of helping Speakers run their events from intimate settings to over 600 participants, covering all the United States from Florida, Seattle to San Francisco. This woman handles your event with grace and ease, saving you thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in hotel fees. That is Doreen. Doreen, welcome to Leverage Masters. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very excited to um, bring you some value about live events and be able to help you guys leverage uh, what you have to bring to the world. Awesome. Well, what's the big thing? So that's that's the basic stuff, but we want to always know what's burning in your belly and getting you out of bed in the morning these days, right now. What are you excited about? <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely I'm excited to be able to, what I call a ripple effect in the world, um, if I help entrepreneurs um, be able to bring their purpose and passion out to the world and create a legacy, um, that brings me joy and excitement. So that's why I do what I do. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what a typical uh, day in the life of looks like for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, So basically uh, how I got started with doing events is I went out to an event myself. Um, I got involved in some personal personal development events, and found out that was um, a passion, as he just said, a burning desire in my stomach to be able to share that. Um, So I went on staff with a speaker and started then running events for multiple speakers. Um, That's kind of where I'm at now. That was about 15 years ago, so I've been doing it for quite a while. 
Um, and basically what I help the, what I help um, the individuals do is, like you said, be able to get their venues for them, um, be able to um, help them save a lot of money in their hotel expenses as well as bring them um, additional money to their back end and their front end of their events because um, obviously we all like profit <laughs> along with just sharing our passion with the world. Um, and so that's what I do with that. And then when I actually get out to the local events, um, just be able to bring them value there where the speakers can just be able to concentrate on speaking, where I take care of all the small details, make sure that the students are all taken care of, um, and everybody has a joyous and successful event and, and a learning experience from whatever the, that speaker happens to be bringing to the table. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about the big mistakes that uh, uh, other event planners make that should have speakers worried? What's, uh, what's some of the uh, stuff to watch out for out there? Yeah, so um, I have about f at least five tips I can bring you on that. And so one of the um, key things is right from the very beginning is the negotiation with the hotel. Um, is if you, the things that you may not know obviously could cost you thousands. Um, and one of them is, you know, a lot of times the, they will tell you that you need to pay for your meeting space, um, and then that doesn't bring anything other to dollars in their pockets. Um, where if you just ask them to do an, a food and beverage minimum, um, they will usually comp out your meeting space, and at that point that's going to actually give you value to the money that you're giving them, um, and so that will save you thousands as far as just paying thousands for the meeting space and then additional money for your food and beverage that you want to bring to the table. So that's that's one huge event right there. Um, I've saved people, you know, 10, 20, 30, you know, 40, 50,000 on just that one tip alone. Hmm. Um, and then I just recently did an event, um, and numbers matter. Um, so this is another area where it can cost you thousands. Um, I just came out of Oakland, and the the presenter, this is one of their first events, and they had about 70 people attending their event, registered for their event. But as some may or may not know, is we'll have people register at the last minute as well as people not show up to the event. Um, so you're going to want to come in low when you're going to tell your hotel how many people you're going to have for lunch. So in this circumstance, you want to come in a little bit lower. So we came in at 55, um, which was actually perfect. We had about 50, 55 there. Because the, the thing is, if you get to the day of registration and you have more people there that attend than 55, you can always up your numbers, but you cannot decrease your numbers. So if you start with 70 and you get to the event and only 50 people are there, you're already paying uh, money for those extra 20 people um, to do lunch, and they're not there, mm -hmm. and you cannot decrease down. So that is just money out of your pocket that you just lost because of that. Um, so that alone in this last event, um, I had to go in and save the day because <laughs> they decided to um, let the hotel know we had 70 people. I went in and backtracked that before the event happened, and that saved them about $1,500 right there. Um, an additional awesome. tip would be, would be AV equipment. So um, at events, you have to have your AV, and the uh, AV at the hotel is very costly. And so there's times when you can leverage it out and decide how much there's how much they're charging you versus how much it costs to actually just purchase the AV equipment. 
And a lot of times you're going to save money. It's going to cost you less to purchase it, rather you just resell it or you use it for future events um, rather than just renting it because, again, it's just a rental fee that you don't have anything to show for. So uh, that's another area if you leverage that out that you can see um, you can save a lot of money in that area. And just a couple other tips here I'll bring to you guys. Um, your room setup, um, as far as getting the room set up the way you need it set up, there's multiple different setups. Um, there's what we call a theater setup, which is just chairs. There's a round table setup where it's just round tables. And then the final one is classroom setting where there's tables. So obviously um, it's something to really think about as far as when you're booking that event because theater style without the tables, obviously you can get a smaller room if you have no need for the tables, which is going to cost you less money. And then, however, if you're planning to do a lunch event, you're going to need your tables, so you're going to need to make sure you ask for the classroom setting for the tables because eating on their laps sometimes doesn't work out too well. So that's one area <laughs> inside of that. <laughs> and then your final one is to be really clear on what your vision and your story is so that you can speak authentically out to the world because um, your audience is going to pick up on that. They're going to get uh, more connected with you uh, versus you just um, speaking not authentically and speaking maybe from a place of greed if you're selling products um, and just not being real. So you want to make sure your vision is clear in your head and use stories on stage and people will connect with you better. And that also um, is the last thing is your reputation is key in your industry. So with that authenticity, um, you can keep your reputation live. And then with your reputation live, you will get more uh, what we call joint ventures together where you can joint venture together and you leverage off of each other as far as, you know, the people you can bring to the table and continuing to leverage each other's business and bring value to everybody that way. Well, I have to say I wish I knew you uh, in 2006 through 2008 when we were having <laughs> events. <laughs> and, uh, I was there. Boy, see – I started the process with let's have an event, and then we called the hotel. That's yes. where it all. That was that's where it all began to break down. <laughs> Overpaying. <laughs> we did we did almost everything on your list the opposite of what you just recommended. So, out of just sheer not knowing what to do, um, there weren't an awful lot of people like you back then uh, to choose from, and the ones that there were were already working on other things, and. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of messed all of that stuff up, almost all five of those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would agree. Most people do. You're not alone. <laughs> Most people come out of the, their first event losing money rather than breaking even or even making money, and our goal is for them to make money up front. <laughs> we came out of it with, uh, we don't want to do events anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we got out of that business. It, always looks easier when somebody I remember one of my most Im impressed moments was the big seminar that Armin Moran put on uh, for several years and mm -hmm. I mean I knew it wasn't easy I knew a lot of work went on in the back but he made it look so darn easy <laughs> he had a lot of help and it was just really well done and everything and the other events that I've been to have been like that I think that allures people uh, you know into thinking I can do this this doesn't look so hard this isn't so tough <laughs> 
But they really need people like you who have been there, done it, and know all the shortcuts. Um, My biggest in was my wife was uh, in the hotel industry and management and stuff, and she knew some of the tricks that hotels like to pull and had us avoid some of them, but not all of them. <laughs> like there were some new tricks that the big fancy hotels in Vegas like to pull if you don't know what you're doing. So, yeah. And I see that you are uh, a friend uh, of AJ, and you guys, you probably have a lot to do with the big event that he does, um, or maybe it's your event uh, as much as his as well every year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yes, he uh, he does a program called Warrior 2.0, and I am a part of that. Um, I I come and I help him run that event while he's actually uh, presenting that event. Um, and then he also is partnered with me in my company or our company, Powerhouse, and we um, have joined together as far as that goes as well. So we, we, ha- we do a lot of stuff together. We've been doing a lot of business together for over 15 years. Awesome. We just had him on, I can't remember, back not too long ago, like four or five months ago. So this is great. The circle is closing. I'm starting to understand uh, that this yeah. isn't that big of an industry. <laughs> we we all run yeah. into each other somehow, some way. Yeah, exactly. So we, um, we bring what AJ does also brings another passion that we have, and that's in the personal development arena. Um, and creating people to figure out what their purpose, passion is, their goals, and um, make them happen, you know, um, creating powerful leadership and being able to put their past behind them and move forward into a bright future um, and creating the life of their dreams, whatever that is for them. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about that? Because AJ and I talked about that, and I've talked with lots and lots of guests about that, but why are so many people wandering around looking for a passion, looking for, are they looking for permission to do what they really know they want to do, but don't think it's okay? Or do they really not know? Do they need to go through a discovery process to really open up and figure out what the heck is it that I'm supposed to be doing here in this life? I really think it is both. Uh, Thank you for that question. I really think it is both. Some people just absolutely do not know. Um, they may jump from career to career and have not found anything that they really love and that resonates to them. Um, and so in that case, I mean, really for them to discover that, um, for that is just get really clear on what you're good at and what you love to do um, and then create that into uh, something that you can um, do every single day and make money from it. And then what I say is uh, every day you're not working, you're living your purpose, you're living your passion, um, and everybody is uh, gaining uh, whatever it is that you're bringing to the table, um, whether it be a product, a service, um, so whatever that is. The other people um, that do know what their purpose and passion is, I would say sometimes they may have naysayers in their life, and at that point, um, they have a great idea. They have a burning desire in their stomach to do it. And there's two things that may stop them. One is fear of just jumping out there and doing it and making it happen. And um, then the second, and that's where personal development comes in, and uh, AJ's Warrior 2.0. And then the second thing would be um, to that there's naysayers that are telling them that what they're doing is crazy and they cannot do it, et cetera, et cetera, and then it gives them a negative mindset around it, and then they don't want to pull the trigger um, again around fear 
around fear of success or fear of losing friends in their circle. Um, and that's that's what I would say would be the two areas of purpose or passion. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And what about people that you've worked with or 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 have been around who have changed um, from careers that they might have had for quite a long time? They reach their 40s and 50s, and and they've been doing something for a long time, and they switch, or they want to switch, or they have a feeling that you know if they're going to be happy and fulfilled, they've got to make a change. And you know, those are people who are really kind of set in a certain pattern in life that have been doing it for a long time, it's really scary for them, right? I mean, like, I've never done this before. I really want to do, I want to paint. I want to, you know, open a retreat or do something like that. And it's, they're usually coming from corporate or they're coming from radically different backgrounds that were safe and what they were trained in in school and things like that. What kinds of uh, stories have you seen uh, where people have sort of blossomed midlife and just like, wow, it's completely did a turn as, as a lot of people do when they finally discover people like you to help them. Yes. Okay. So um, with that, that is uh, what I call a transition. And there's a lot of people, especially in the arena of the thirties, forties, fifties area where they're doing that transition and they're doing that tra- transition for a lot of different reasons. It could be that, you know, they've, They've um, already raised their families, and they're just really ready to now live for themselves and figure out what it is um, for themselves. Um, or they just get burnt out in their um, corporate lifestyle and their corporate um, life that it's not serving them anymore, um, and it's not um, giving them a reason to get up in the morning. And so discovering, um, like we just talked about a few seconds ago, the purpose and their passion in their life, which then brings a fire to their belly, um, those people, again, it's scary, um, and they, the best way for them to transition is to go ahead and continue their corporate job, why they find out what their purpose and passion is, um, create whatever that it looks like to them, rather it be, I will give you an example, um, one girl I worked with, she decided that her passion was around kids. Um, and she was in the corporate lifestyle, and she really wanted to do something around kids. And she opened up her own gym. Um, actually, I guess it would not necessarily be a gym. They had gym activities there for the children to keep them active. Um, but also, um, like plays, they got to go in and, and, and create plays together. Um, they had, you know, jumpy gyms. She dressed them up like princesses or characters, and they did character things. So that has really um, been beneficial to her, and this is just one example. So she created that while she was still in her corporate world, so it could take the fear away from her just dropping that, um, which was bringing in the financial income for her. And then um, once she had enough finances going on with her new purpose and passion, she was able to go ahead and drop that corporate lifestyle. But the, I think the biggest thing so for most people in doing that transition is just they're afraid to give up the nine to five to jump over there because they don't have a guaranteed paycheck coming in. And so that's why right. I suggest for people to do both at the same time until you have the other one creating a safety for you to be able to feel safe to jump. So don't jump in the pool and then learn to swim. Yeah, Take some much. lessons while you're out on the dry ground <laughs> <laughs> and be safe about it and sensible about it. 
Yeah, because otherwise, cool. otherwise, yeah, then then the fear goes in, and then people freeze up, and then they get nowhere, and then their subconscious, their negative sub- subconscious beliefs start to become true. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. I've seen people approach this in a in in that kind of way, though. I mean, we're laughing about it, but people are like, "I'm going over here now. I'm doing this now. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to," go. and they kind of they're not really <laughs> they're not really ready, like. Uh, I've often played with the idea of having a very specific kind of retreat, a piece of land along a river so we could do river trips and things like that. And, you know, somewhere out West that would be really, and I immediately started looking for properties. I immediately started looking for opportunities like for land and things like that, where the, where the ideal place would be. And it took me a while to realize that, the reason I wasn't making progress is because I was already trying to like do the thing without doing what I figured out. What was better was go visit some places like as a tourist or as a client and just see what it's like. See if you can get some idea of what the day to day of that kind of thing would be like. And then I realized I don't want to retreat. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I see a lot of people, I would rather be, you know, I'd rather travel to a bunch of different ones or, you know, maybe someday I still fantasize about organizing events where we use other people's places, but we don't own them. And cause then you get tied to that. And I saw the owners, if I hadn't done this, I would have jumped into something before learning to swim and it would have been a disaster because of when I, you know, these owners, they work like crazy uh, to provide really, really great stellar service, and and they're always at the beck and call of their clients, and 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 I was like, oh, I just now that I've seen it that from that angle, I don't see myself doing that, uh, and it saved me. But it was just pure luck. It wasn't a strategy. I didn't have some kind of insight or wisdom uh, to do that. I just feel very lucky that I that I did whatever instinct pushed me toward, you know, just saying, hey, let's just go check this out and see if it's something we want to do. Do you work with people or do you see people making that mistake? And then, you know, how do you help them to, you know, kind of test the waters first? Yeah, exactly what you said was also a good tip to the audience um, is go out and be the student in that environment that you do. Um, So you wanted to do a retreat, so you were the student in the retreat. You could actually see what's going on around it and then get the feel for it like you did on figuring out, hey, is this something I really want to do or not, instead of it just being a wild um, idea in your mind that sounds great at the, at the time, but yet uh, it takes a lot to do something like that. So for you to, to do that, that was very lucky and very smart at the same time to be able to do that. That would be what the tip I would actually give them. And Sometimes <laughs> when people come to me, it's too late because they've already made that jump. So t- sometimes yes. I have to, ba- yeah. Sometimes I have to backtrack them. And you know, it's not that they they necessarily did it on their own. I would say there's some gurus out there that tell them just jump, just give it up, just you know, jump through your fear and give it up and go now. Um, but I've seen so many people get hurt also in the same area. And then they fail, and then they lose their purpose and passion because of they failed, um, and they don't want to go back to getting back up off the ground after they fell. So to backtrack them, if they've already taken the jump, I would just suggest them to go back to um, a paycheck-to-paycheck opportunity, um, but maybe 
something that they like to do um, around what they're good at or what they have to share with the world. Find a, a career that's like that to be able to have that income coming in so they already have um, that safety in their mind and their body that they can focus on what they need to. Um, so that's either that or create something that can bring revenue right now in the entrepreneurial world because um, some of the ideas can bring money right away, um, and that's great. It might not be the big picture. Like, for example, yours was a big retreat. So you might have just uh, went in and ran a spa area, a spa, um, or something in the relaxation area, uh, you know, a zen, a zen uh, room, um, something like that. So that's a smaller um, thing to your big picture. So going in to, right. to do the small thing that can, can create um, income now, um, and then give you, still give you the, the passion inside of you to be able to then reach and leverage to the big picture. And that goes yeah, back to one yeah. of my five tips is having a clear vision and a clear pl- plan to getting to where you're going. It's funny that uh, maybe some of us type B personalities just forget all about that clear vision and clear plan, and we just jump a lot. Like, I imagine that's a, the type of personality that is very prevalent in uh, the people that seek you out sometimes too late or later than you would like. Not too late. It's never too late. But they've already jumped. And like, oh, God, help me. I I messed up. I i don't even know what I'm doing here. Uh, you know, and I, I do that with just, you know, clients for search engine optimization, marketing and copywriting. And they will already have jumped out and done a big funnel that's all wrong. It's not converting. And... And yeah, I think that's probably true for consultants all over the place. Is just you 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 wish people would arrive um, bushy-tailed and bright-eyed and ready to go, and not having gone too far yet. But most of the time, they come and go, "Help, help! <laughs> I did something wrong, or I need some help, or I need some guidance." So either way, it's it's fun and, and fulfilling to to help people in that area. I mean, because, you know, you do events and everything, and you do, like, the technical stuff of putting that on, but I know, I just know you have a blast at them as much as you possibly can uh, while keeping everything together just because of the content matter of and the people that are drawn to these events and everything. Uh, unless I'm wrong, I would say that that's got to be one of your big fulfilling factors of the kind of work that you do, right? Yeah, I would definitely say that because um, so as I was talking about taking baby steps, um, a lot of people that want to run live events or entrepreneurs that or just have de- have a desire to share their um, passion with the world. And, you know, they can start um, at a small step, which we call coaching, and they can coach people one-on-one, and that's going to bring in the income stream that they need to bring in um, right away before they decide to run into hey, like you did in the 2006 and 2008, let's put on a live event. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, um, super <laughs> easy. Anybody they, can do it. Exactly. <laughs> super easy until they get in there and fall on their face. <laughs> and then that's when they start seeking out um, people like us to go ahead and take that stuff away from them so that they can just come in and share their purpose and passion, make income, and um, – and it's super easy for them because we make it super easy. So one of the things besides just doing the technical part around um, running live events with Powerhouse is making their miracles happen. Like so they have an idea like you had. Hey, I've got this vision. i got this idea. I want to make that happen. Um, 
And then there's different personalities that will work on making that happen. So I kind of have to work with those different personality types as well to make it happen. Um, However, we can get really crystal clear, um, and that's where I'll tell you in a few minutes where you can do a consultation call with us um, and be able to um, get really crystal clear on what that miracle looks like to them and then um, create that to actually happen throughout a live event um, and be able to hit the masses because on their coaching one-on-one, they're hitting one person at a time, but with live events, you can actually hit the masses so it causes the ripple effect to happen even um, faster. And so I call that leverage, some- leverage, leverage. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Is it sometimes just um, a sorting game for you when you when you first get on the call with somebody to find out what type of personality they are? Like somebody who needs to loosen up on the type A-ness because they're very analytical, they're very, you know, cross the I's and dot the T's and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and they need to dream a little, they're not going to ever loosen up and actually get out of the place that they are to get to the next one because they're already being too hyper analytical or people like me who aren't taking into consideration at all, usually enough of the details, enough of this, you know, are you just in a sorting game at that point, just trying to figure out who they are and then, then the approach that you would take from that point, once you figure it out. Yes, definitely, because there is, um, like he, what he was just explaining to you, different personality types, um, and there's four different personality types, but those two are the biggest one. Either one wants to overplan, um, wants all the small details, and the other one just has the big picture, and they just want it to happen, and then they're not looking at all the details it takes to make it happen. So they want, to happen, they want it to happen right now, um, tomorrow, and the other people want it to happen three years from now because they want to plan so much. So I kind of have to reel them in individually wherever they are and um, kind of swing them. So some of them are really far left or really far right, and I kind of need to swing them in the middle um, so that they're. Uh, I don't necessarily um, stomp on their personality type, but yet I'm able to bring what they don't, they're not seeing I'm going to either tell them, hey, listen, uh, we don't need all those details, or if we do need all those details, I'll take care of all those. I need to see where your big vision and your big focus is so we can make it happen. And then the other people, we need to do the opposite. Okay, I see your vision. I see your purpose. Let's make it happen. Let's see the couple different steps and details we need to do to to make that happen. Do you think there's something missing? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there's a little bit of a lag here. <laughs> but I was going to ask, do you um, do you think there's something missing in our education system? Like, uh, why don't we know how to do this? Why do we need help doing things like this? What is, I mean, it's good for us as, you know, or any kind of consultant that people, you know, need help later in life uh, with stuff like this. But it strikes me that, when you know when I was going off to college, I was told go be bold, have fun, think a lot, um, really open your mind, take risks. You know, here's your little bag of all your belongings in the whole world because you're young and you don't have a house or kids or anything like that. Now's the time to do all that kind of stuff, and we were encouraged to do the crazy mistake-making kind of stuff that later in life we're scared to death to do ever. We're like just totally scared. We got everything has to be safe and everything has to be protected. And, you know, and we built up this sense of safety. And I'm like, 
we didn't we learned the opposite a lot of us <laughs> when and it's hard to escape if you go to college because that's what everybody all the teachers that's what they say at commencement everybody's like go oh, be bold do this do that and then we slowly start to get out of that and really fall in love with this hyper sense of safety and comfort and things like that. It just seems like there's something missing there, or there's a, a mixed message at least. Yeah, I would say that you are actually blessed by the message that you were given um, going on to school and college. Um, Cause majority of people may not be blessed with that. Hey, go make mistakes. Go, you know, be free, find out what your purpose is, make it all happen. A lot of times people are told the opposite, you know, go to college, um, get a degree that pays you a lot of money, regardless of what it is, or you like to do it or not. Um, College all these years, get your nine to five, wake up every morning, do your job, go to sleep, do the whole thing over again tomorrow. And then when you bring family in there, well, then, you know, get up and make sure your kids go off to school and you teach them the same thing that you got taught. And it then just becomes a domino effect or a ripple effect, as I continue to say, um, to this is the way it happens. You know, and everybody starts to become yeah. like a robot in the world. And they don't get to um, let their their desires as they were as a kid, you know, um, say they were into painting or artwork, like you said earlier, Um now all of a sudden painting and artwork to their parents may not make them anything in the world. So they may say, hey, that's going to take you no place. So their dream gets crushed right away, and then um, they go on to school to be a, a nurse. And they decide that, you know, they go through all this schooling, they got their degree, their nurse degree. Um, they go out there and be a CNN and go, like you said, uh, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. But now they've spent thousands mm-hmm. of dollars and years of education, and some will either force them through that or they will um, not force themselves through that and they'll just let all of that go and then go to school for something else, you know, that's going to make them a lot of money. And, again, like you said, in the education uh, arena of schooling, um, I don't believe that they have any area around this, and that's one of my passions is to be able to bring this to um, personal development to teens and young adults um, so that they can have this, um, uh, I guess, blessing that you have had um, with a positive mindset of, hey, go out and live something that is going to be great to you and go ahead and make mistakes, learn from them, don't make them happen again, um, et cetera, et cetera, instead of saying don't make mistakes. And then they feel as a total failure once they made a mistake instead of just learn from your mistake and continue on and go forward. Yeah. Uh, They're already having the discussions in my kids' school, I guess, in the last couple of years even. It seems really early for me uh, from from my experience. I know it is. They're earlier on everything, and they're way ahead in math than I was when, you know, I was going through. They're smarter and brains are huger and everything else. Um, so they've been talking about, you know, careers. And when somebody doesn't know or really at that age is even really thinking about it that much, it's kind of cool for a school to prod them and say, you know, just kind of lead them on and say, well, here's here's a list of careers. What would you like to do? And I often have asked him through the years, what are you thinking about doing now? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and then he starts to go back to that list that he's seen um, and the things on that list that he likes, the sound of, but he still doesn't know. 
And I think a lot of people are just like, okay, you're getting ready to go out in the world now. Uh, you're going to need to, you know, make a choice of something. So I think we choose majors based on things that aren't necessarily um, what we want to do, but we don't know exactly what to do. And other people are like, well, you know, being a musician doesn't pay much, but it's, you know, you can do that. Or being, an, or being a CPA would pay, you know, and then you have your own, and people are just kind of making decisions about what they want to do with the rest of their lives or a significant portion of the beginning of their lives based on what other people's recommendations are. Like, well, you could do this or that. I think that's where the nurse ends up going, I never really did deep down <coughs> want to do this, but everybody told me, you know, this would be really great. And then when I got into the nursing school, everybody kept saying, this is really fulfilling. We're helping people. We're doing all this stuff. And you adopt that as your as your passion without realizing that it wasn't really completely <laughs> your passion. And I think that's why a lot of people end up switching, right? Or or coming out of yeah. that hopefully at some point going, I gotta do something else something else is calling me. Yeah, so they would they uh the schooling, like you said, they go kind of by what other people tell them and what um is expected from their careers. But the the one missing part is there's never an exercise for them to excite their own imagination to figure out what's true for them. What would that look like? Um that would look like figuring out, I can give you a, a short exercise to do that, is to figure out the five things that they are great at. And then five things that they love to do. And they would make two columns. And a lot of That's times, it, they, may, sure they, lot of times they may overlap. Says it's universal. Is that like, Gina? I thought that was you. Oh, am I unmuted? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Hang yeah. on. I will fix it. Why? Tell Popeye we it said hi. I'm muted. <laughs> Hang on. I'll fix it. Sorry about that. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so I will go back into uh, the exercise. So they would, you would make two columns on your paper, and you on the left-hand side you would put the five things that you are great at. And then on the right-hand side, five things that you love to do. Now, you may notice that when you look at the two columns after you're finished with the exercise, some of them may be the same. If they are the same, obviously those need to get circled right away because there's some type of passion there. Then I would take the two lists and then just eliminate them from the least to the top until you have one on each side. And then those two are your highest, the highest thing that you're great at and the highest thing that you love to do. And then inside of those two things, that's when you can actually be able to see a vision and a purpose and a passion of what is true to you and what matters to you um, and what you really love to do. So as I was saying before, you when you get up in the morning, you love to do it. You create a financial structure around it so that you're bringing the income in for the things that you love to do every day. And then the people around you in your life, your family and your friends, um, like to be around you <laughs> because yeah. um, you're, loving what you, you're loving what you do. Yeah, and you like to be around you more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Too. yeah. That's yeah. the key. That's the key. You're loving Not yourself. Really. Well, yeah. <laughs> It, it, that is really truly a missing link there because I don't 
maybe, you know, I'm not in every school, I'm not in every college or anything like that, but it seems like, I mean, I sure didn't have that, where you're, that exercise pulls out of you um, a lot of the information about what you might want to do. It makes you think from within yourself, not all from advice from other people, teachers, advisors, parents, and people like that. You know, I was really susceptible to that at a young age. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to rely on, I'll make a choice based on what all everybody's telling me. But no, I never went through an exercise like you just outlined. That would have probably been really, really helpful, <laughs> you know. And I think maybe that's that big missing piece. Maybe it's not today, it's but it was back then. such a simple exercise. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. I was just saying that it's an actual simple exercise as well. You know, there's not a lot of, a lot of complex to it. It's just, you know, bringing no. yourself to think and really dig deep into who you are. Exactly. Yeah. So, what uh, what do you like to do when you're not running events and you're going to an event? Do you like to go to events, like, and not be in charge of making everything right, or do you like to get away from that stuff when you're not, you know, uh, actually uh, having to be there and taking care of everybody? How does that work for you personally? Uh, actually, both. So, um, I actually do like to go. Um, as a student into the event and um, open up my mind and continue to grow myself as well because um, I say I'm going to continue growing till the day I die. <laughs> um, so I do love yeah. that. Um, it is sometimes challenging to sit there if, and I see something that may not be happening to um, to what I see is the best potential for them and sometimes I have to either, one, stop myself and just put myself back into the student's <laughs> body and or, you know, just give them a quick tip really fast um, to help them. Uh, so that's one area. Yes, I do like to continue to go into um, events and continue to grow myself. And on a personal level, what I like to do outside of events um, is I love to go to the beach. Um, I love to do scrapbooking. Uh, I have four kids, so I like to spend a lot of quality times with um, the kids and be able to help them um, grow to their next potential levels, like what we were just talking about give them the missing piece that they're not getting um, in school. So um, I would say those are the areas that I really love outside of running events. Awesome. Have you, uh, how would you say leverage has played a part in your life as far as, because I know you, you know how to use it and you know what it is and you apply it a lot with the event planning and, the, and working with people too. Um, but what kind of things uh, have helped you to get where you are today in terms of um, I'm, I'm sure that there are people who when they think of you or when they think of something they need to be, that needs to be done that you are great at, they pick up the phone and call you and you're in that situation now, um, probably where you, you've got more people who would love for you to work with them than you have the time for. What sort of leverage uh, did you use? What kinds of things did you use to become um, known for what you, what it is that you do? Great question. Great question. So um, to leverage, I leverage a couple different ways. Um, le- the biggest area of leverage is team. So um, I've been able to expand my team and bring other um, experts um, onto the team. Um, so just besides just actually running the event itself, you know, I bring other team members in that can help into different areas of that that actual huge piece. 
So I have been able to bring people that are great in sponsorships so they can um, they, we can get sponsors ahead of the event to bring them um, uh, uh-huh. upfront finances. Um, bring people in for that are good at uh, so celebrity social proof and they can help them bring their social media stuff out there um, before and after the event. Um, people to come in with experts doing photography, sales teams, um, just volunteers. For those people, I can run their own volunteers or I can bring in my own volunteers to be able to run all the details that go in the room. Because, yes, I'm the main coordinator of the event, but yet I need team to make it all happen. Um, so right. I definitely can't run all those pieces myself. There's just too many small pieces to do, but I I manage those pieces to then become a whole puzzle, if that makes sense to you. So. Yeah, that's one area is definitely team and bringing other experts to um, the team that can help us all look amazing and all financially abundant from that as well as continuing to live out our purpose and passions. So that's one team. And um, the second would be uh, referrals. So I get most of my leads in from referrals. Um, and so, as I was telling you, um, on the event side, it's called PowerhouseLiveEvents.com. Again, that's PowerhouseLiveEvents.com. And um, you can go on there. That's where I send my referrals. Um, and then I do a consultation call with them. And I only can work with, like you said, a few clients a year. Um, so I'm getting almost to that capacity now where um, I'm I'm at the max of the the amount of clients that I can take on. Um, so instead of me turning people away, like, hey, they might not fit into what I've got going on right now, I would not like to turn anybody away um, as long as that they're um, a, a good fit for the, the business um, and bring on an additional team possibly is my next um, leverage point um, where we will have multiple road crews to go out to the different places um, on East Coast, West Coast, and maybe even expand it to other countries. So we'll have mo- multiple teams out there. So that would be my next um, leverage area to continue to grow. Awesome. I love hearing that. I was wondering if that's where you were going to go with this, uh, whether it was just, you know, max out um, your own time and, and, and be happy with that or uh, turn yourself into other people. <laughs> Split yourself, clone yes. yourself into other uh, coordinators and teams. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Although that's a that's a coordinated effort I, too. Yeah, it really is. And to be able to trust, you know, we I talk about fear a lot on the call. Um and so just for me, one of my fears is just to be able to trust um another person that has that they have as much passion as I have behind it, that they will be able to fulfill on it as well as I do. So that's my own fear. (laughs) Um, And I know that I will find that person, you know, the universe, God, however you believe, will bring that person to me to be able to leverage that out because I do have family at home too. Um, So being on the road too much um, creates distance with my family. and That's not what my lifestyle is that I desire. Yeah, it is tricky. I mean, uh, I I have been through it. I think everybody goes through it in their own way with their business. It just if this is to be, if what I want to happen, 
is going to happen. I'm going to have to put some of this in the hands. And it's not really like having a team that you manage because that's kind of a letting go process. I'm sure you did this at one point in the very beginning all yourself, or at least you tried, and then you realized that a team was really important. And it was probably like, oh, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle this. I know how to get sponsorships. I don't have the time, and I hope you're going to do it right. And, you know, that's one letting go point. But I think the big letting go point is having a coordinator in charge of their own team. That's where you start to really go, this person has to have my values. They have to have, you know, they have to represent the company. They have to, you know, uh, it puts even more pressure on you. And, and, you know, that's a really hard thing to even for some people to even decide that they want to do it. I've seen lots of people say, I'm going to call myself a boutique operation, which is really shorthand like realtors use for cute bungalow, you know, which really just means it's utterly small and the one bathroom doesn't even work. They just say, they put a nice word on it and, and say, this is what I'm going to be. I just serve a very exclusive clientele. And I think a lot of times what I hear there is a lot of people are scared of what you've made the bold decision to go ahead and do, even though it scares you <laughs> because that person has to be out there, right? You can't be the only one. Yeah. So mo- most people um, would feel that they can't just declare something and call them an expert in a certain, um, a certain arena that they would have to have the schooling, the education, um, years of blah, blah, blah behind them before they can say, Hey, I'm a live event expert. And in really, in reality, it's the opposite. In reality, you just declare it, and then everything else will come to you, and you will learn from not only just being in the industry, but you will also learn from other experts in the industry. So once the the bold bold step is just declaring it and jump and take action and just trust trust that everything else will come come behind it. Yeah. And it does, if the trust is real and you're not using trust as a tactic, right? Like, oh, here I am, yeah. trusting, look at me, I'm self-aware, being trusting. <laughs> if you really just do it, you don't even know you're doing it, and you just go. And a lot of people, don't they call that, like, um, instinct or innate talent? Or if you ask them what they're doing, they're like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I'm just, this is what I am. This is, I'm just being. But I think people who are really call- hyper-aware of that, like anybody, oh, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I call that manifesting with no action behind it. So, um, yeah. or just sitting there and praying and hoping it all that just lands in your lap. So my theory behind that is you can manifest things, you can pray for things, but then you also have to take the action step to that. You can't just sit there and think a miracle is just going to land in your lap by manifesting and praying. Um, that I believe people still have to go out there to take the action steps and to create the team around them um, to make all that happen and to show up. Because, I mean, granted, some things do just show up, but they show up because they're placing themselves in the right circles. They're they're taking the action to get themselves to an event where they're going to have like-minded people around them um, instead of just sitting, you know, in their lounge, in their chair at home watching TV and expecting it just to happen. But it's not really that hard, too. I mean, I think a lot of times when I heard people years ago say what you just said, they were saying, you can have all this and stuff can manifest, but then they took it right back. To me, what I heard is they took it right back and said, but you've got to work for it. You've got to work really hard. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just stepped on the manifesting part and made it all <laughs> like, wait, that's just something cute to say. That's great. You can say that. But then what you really are saying is work your butt off. 
And I know that's not what you're saying, and I that's not no. what I was supposed to hear back then. Because I used, I wrote an article about putting yourself way, way long ago, put, put yourself in a place to be super lucky or something like that. It was a better title than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in the right place at the right time, you can actually you can actually put yourself in the right places at the right time, not all the time, but if you're out there like going to events, if you want to be an event coordinator, <laughs> you know, you probably ought to like go to events and, and rub rub elbows with the people who would be in a position to hire you for the next event and things. But that's not hard. That's making a that's booking a flight and just showing up and being there. And you're going to naturally be talking to the people that you should be talking to and and all the other things fall into place. Once I realized that, I was like, okay, those two things actually do go together. The manifestation comes with putting yourself in the right place at the right time. And there may be work involved, but most of the time, if you're in the right place at the right time, it doesn't feel like work at all. It doesn't feel like nearly the effort you thought it would take right (laughs) and I love that yeah at that yeah at that point in time like you said you know their effort and their action step was just getting to that event and then their manifestation was just the opportunity to then work with that person who they may have met um and that could bring value to both of them because they did meet so like you said it didn't take much effort just to get themselves to the event into the arena whatever it is um to be able to have the opportunity present itself to you and then again you'll have to take another action step to um also make it happen with that person you know do a follow through with them but again that's not much effort um and so kind of with that being said i know we're getting close to time so i do want to say um the powerhouse live events that i sent you to dot com um, I also want to um, I have a product on there that costs $197. Um, it gives you a whole bunch more tips, kind of the five that I went over with you. Um, but I uh-huh. also want to give um, these callers an opportunity to get a promo code. Um, the promo code is POWER50, P-O-W-E-R, 50, all lowercase, and that will give them 50% off of that product um, to be able to get more tips around running live events. And then, obviously, um, if you get in there and you decide that you don't want to do them yourself, you have the opportunity to do a consultation call with us, um, and we'll be able to help you out there. Oh, I love it when guests bring presents and gifts. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, you are. One more time with with the URL, powerhouseliveevents.com? That's correct. Excellent. Yeah, everybody take that, and it's Power50 is the code for uh, saving if you'd like to check out the product. Wonderful, wonderful gift, wonderful saving. So that is awesome. So closing thoughts. Now we've got the the business out of the way. Closing thoughts. What do you think is the most important thing for people when they're when they're uh, thinking about making that move? I think our biggest point today was was kind of like, you know, uh, people shifting, moving, doing something bigger in their business, and there's nobody in the world who's sitting in their business right now that has any ambition for it being something more who's not thinking about this at least once a day. Like, what am I going to do to make that big next move? You can talk about it from a leverage perspective or from any other perspective, but what's your what's your best piece of advice for that? So let me make sure I got the question correct. So you're saying from the people that are considering a live event, considering – um, making a legacy for themselves um, and sharing that with the world, and they're coming out of a corporate type of setting or they're coming out of any type of setting where they're trying to make a transition. Is that correct? 
Any type of setting, sure. Yeah. Any any type. Okay. Um, so my my leading advice would be um one, get clear on who you are. Uh figure out what your purpose, your passion is, what legacy you want to leave to the world. Um, and then move forward in making that miracle happen. And as we talked about manifesting it, um, once you get clear on it, then you're going to start speaking that out to other people. Don't let anybody kill your dreams. Um, If you feel a burning desire in yourself, um, continue to make that happen. Tell your naysayers, thank you for sharing and keep going. Um, Find the appropriate people to leverage off of. So um, if it's live events, find somebody who's an expert in live events. Um, If it's um, you want to run a retreat, you know, find somebody that's, you know, good at that. If you want to open a spa or a restaurant or anything that you have a desire to do, um, find somebody in those fields that are already experts. They've already walked the walk. Um, Join with them or uh, get education from them um, and create your circle um, around what you want your end result to look like um, and leverage off of those people. Again, and, it's Powerhouse and one, Live I have events. one more thing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I have one more thing. Um, when you're leveraging off of those people, um, just because they have the same purpose and passion that you have and you want to do exactly what they do, don't consider them as your competitor. Consider them as your partner. Mm-hmm. Great point. I love that one. Absolutely, because there really is no competition if you look at the situation properly, in my opinion. And I know that's also an opinion shared by Gina, who really helped hammer that home for me uh, when we first met. There's really no such thing as competition. She calls it coopetition, if I recall. Is that right? I do. I love it. Well, Doreen, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And once again, powerhouseliveevents.com. And the, the code, if you'd like to take advantage of the gift that Doreen has given us today, is POWER50. So uh, make sure you take that with you. And again, Doreen, thank you so much for being on Leverage Masters. Yes, and thank you. Thank both of you for having me. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doreen. And we'll be back same time, same place next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. Have a great week, everybody. And an- If you're in the U.S., happy 4th of July. Bye, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.